Hey, Movement Weekend 2024. Man, it is awesome to be here. It is a privilege to get an opportunity to, uh, to speak to y'all for a, a, couple, a couple of opportunities this weekend, tonight and tomorrow night. I just want to reiterate something that, that was already said earlier. Look, guys, you didn't invest money, your time, you didn't come here this weekend just to squander it, just to waste it. Listen, you won't be able to redo the weekend. You have one shot. You have one shot for us to have this focused time together, to lean in together on what God is wanting to teach us, what he's wanting to show us. And look, whatever God is going to show you this weekend, whatever he's going to reveal to you, he's not showing that to you so that you will remain the same. He doesn't show us things so that we just stay the same. He shows us things so that we might be different forever. And I pray tonight that that will be true for all of us. For all of us that we'll leave this room differently. That we'll leave this weekend differently than we arrived. That's our prayer. Hey, my name is Bruce Roberts. I serve as one of the pastors here. I get to serve with a lot of awesome people that, are, that have put this weekend together. And we're going to lean into some stuff. We're going we're gonna to be talking about something that really doesn't give a lot of us warm fuzzies. Right, we're going to be dealing with a topic that's not popular. We're going to be dealing with a word that is being used less and less. We're going to be dealing with an area that really we have left to interpretation and even dismissed and minimized on so many levels. We're going to be dealing with sin. Sin. You know, it's interesting we started with this song, Firm Foundation. It, it reminds me of, of a story that a buddy of mine told me one time. And he and his wife... They were over in Taiwan. They were over in Taiwan, and they were waking up in the middle of the night to an earthquake. Now, how many of y'all have been in an earthquake before? Any, any, anybody been in an earthquake? Okay. Very few of us, right? Very few of us have been in earthquakes, okay? But he woke up in the middle of the night to his room shaking, the building shaking. They're on the 14th floor of this hotel, and it's rocking. So he's officially in his first earthquake, he thinks, he says it happened and it lasted for about 30 seconds. And now, as far as I'm concerned, that's 30 seconds, way too long. But it lasted for about 30 seconds and he picks up the phone and calls downstairs to make sure. He's like, hey, was that just an earthquake? Dude at the front desk is like, yeah, that was an earthquake. Was it a big one? He goes, it was a big one. It was a big one. But when he told that story, something that struck me, something that, that was more amazing to me and even to him that was surprising was not the earthquake itself. It was the next few days when they were in, in Taiwan. In the next few days, there would be aftershocks. Y'all know how earthquakes work. Those plates are shifting and then they, they're, they're always kind of shifting to get back to their resting place. So there were aftershocks. And what he was struck by was this. The ground would start shaking and you know what he would do? He would stop. He would stop. The ground is shaking. He would stop. All of the natives, all of the people that live there, what do you think they did? Just kept on walking. Kept on walking. The ground is shaking. And they just keep on walking. I want you to think about what would have to happen in your life for you, get, for you to get used to the ground shaking? The ground beneath your feet moving. What would have to happen for you to get used to that? But that is an illustration of what you can actually get used to. 
that you can become so desensitized to danger, so desensitized to trouble, that the ground shaking can become so normal that it doesn't make you do anything. I'm afraid that that's exactly what sin has become in our culture and in our very lives. Sin is rocking our world. It is rattling my life. It is rattling your life. The very ground, the very foundation of your life is being shaken by sin. And you know what? I think we've gotten used to it. We're walking around as if sin's not out there. We're walking around when we know that there's a war going on inside of our hearts, inside of our bodies. There's a war going on inside our homes with our relationships. There's anxiety. There's depression. Fears. All of these things are shaking our lives and we're, we're trying to walk around like nothing's wrong, like everything's okay. When our, when, when our lives are just unsettled, unsettled by sin. When sin becomes normal, that's a, that's a terrible place to be. But like those natives, we don't feel sin like we should. Like those natives... We don't fear sin like we should. We don't fear it. We act as if there will be no penalty for sin. We act as if there will be no consequences for sin. We act as if sin doesn't matter. Now, I want you to understand something today. Sin matters far more than we could ever, ever understand or ever express. Sin, the minim, like us minimizing sin, what we end up doing is we minimize who Jesus is and we minimize his work on the cross. Now, you might be new to church. You might be new to this, the, the vocabulary of sin. I'm bringing up Jesus. We're talking about punishment. We're talking about all these things. Look, I get it. It's, this is not a, a feel-good talk tonight. We, we live in a culture where we like positive reinforcement. We love positive reinforcement. We, we care a lot about self-esteem. We don't want to tell people bad news. We don't want to give everyone the, the whole truth about them. We want people to walk around and even though they have a booger in their nose or something in their teeth, we just don't want to let them know. We don't want to, we, we don't want to hurt their feelings. Their breast doesn't smell quite like it's supposed to smell, but we're not going to say anything because we don't want to hurt people's feelings. Now, here's the deal. God, he cares about you. He cares about me. He cares about our feelings. But more than he cares about our feelings, he cares about his glory and he cares about truth. And he loves us enough to tell us the truth about ourselves because if we don't see the truth about ourselves, we will never see him rightly. We'll never see him rightly. And if we don't see him rightly, it, that's catastrophic. It's catastrophic. It's devastating when we don't see God rightly. Because it will, it will dictate and it will determine where we spend eternity. Eternity hangs in the balance with all these things. And look, we may have, we, we may have come into the room with different definitions of sin, what it is, what it isn't. Is it bad or is it not bad? Is it just a mistake? 
nobody's perfect, all of these kinds of things. But here's the deal. We can all agree in the world, no matter what religious system you come from, what gender you are, it doesn't matter what country you live in, for the I think we're pretty much unanimous across the board in our world that we all could agree that there is something actually wrong with the world. We may not agree on the remedy for it. We may not agree on what that thing is. We may not agree on how to fix that thing. But what we are sure of is that nobody's sitting, watching the news, looking at social media, looking at their lives, looking at what's going on in your house, looking at what's going on in your school, and no one's thinking that, you know what, this, this is perfect. This, this seems exactly like it should be going. No, it's, the world's busted. It's broken. You feel it, and I feel it, and we all agree that it is broken. So last movement weekend, this, this statement was made. It said, what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. Y'all remember that? Some of y'all remember that? What comes into your mind when you think about God, it's, it's the most important thing about you. And it's true. It's true. It's true because what you believe about God will impact greatly on what you believe about sin. What you believe about God will impact greatly what you believe about sin. And how you respond to sin will show what you believe about God. We can talk, we can say all kinds of things about sin, brokenness. We can talk all we want, but our lives, how we respond, how we deal with sin, what we call sin... That shows us what we really believe about God. That shows us what we really believe about God. So you don't need sin to talk about God, but when you talk about sin, you have to talk about God. You have to. God, he's the reference point for everything. He's always the starting point. He's the reference point. So when we use words like right and wrong, when we use words like bad and good, what we're saying is that there is a standard. There's a standard that we use. There's a standard that we're looking at that's determining and that's dictating what is bad, what is good, what is right, what is wrong. There's something that we're holding whatever's going on up to to help us to determine what that is. Every single one of us d does that. And if it's not God, you're not using the right point of reference. It always starts with God. The standard of perfection is God himself. So look, maybe you've said this and maybe you've heard your friends say this at some point in time, but sometimes we like to say, hey, I mean, hey, nobody's perfect. Nobody's perfect. And we make that statement from the standpoint of, of comfort, that what just happened, who I am, what I am, can't be that bad because, look, we're all in the same boat. Nobody's perfect. Why are we getting so bent out of shape out of people dropping the ball, messing up stuff? Maybe, maybe things aren't as bad as we like to think that they are. Because nobody's perfect. But that, that admission, that admission right there, it, it's a confession. The admission that you're not perfect is a confession. And what you're confessing is something is wrong with me because I ought to be perfect. But we're so imperfect <laughs> that even our perception of perfection is imperfect. Because look, we, we don't 
We've never lived in a scenario where we've seen perfection. The only, the only way we know of perfection is that we have to go to the perfect one. We have to go to the reference point. We have to go to the starting point. We have to go to Genesis, okay? So just go to Genesis with me, Genesis, Genesis chapter 1. I want to try to paint a little picture here just to show you that what the world used to look like. And I want you to know that what I'm about to read to you and what we're about to talk about, it's not, it's not a fable. That this is history. All right, this is how the world started. And the only way we know that this is how the world started is because God is giving us the inside scoop. He's revealing that to us. You wouldn't have a category for what things were and how bad things are what, without him telling us how it all went down. He's a reference point for this. So I'm not going to read through all this, but you know how in Genesis it all starts off. He's, God is... He, he begins to speak, and as he speaks, he just speaks things into existence. He's creating everything. And this is the thing about God and his situation. He doesn't need any of it. And this is the beauty of it. All right, just, just think about this for a second. God, who has always exist, existed for all of eternity, there, there has not been a time where God has not been. But there was a starting point to our world. There was a starting point to creation. He begins to outline it and weigh it out. Light, darkness, and he's speaking, and he's making days, and he's making like fish and birds, and he's creating this whole thing. He doesn't need birds. He doesn't need vegetation. He doesn't need cows and horses. and He doesn't need any of that. He's creating all of this for someone. And then we find out on the sixth day what he, he creates man. He creates male. He creates female. And he says, look around. Look around. This is yours. Enjoy. Rule it. He, look, look, I, I'm, I, I don't even, God's like, I don't even want to name the animals. I'm going to let you do that. That's the kind of God I am. This is, look, listen, I don't even, like, this is all for you. You do your thing. And he, everything's created. Everything is perfect. Everything is day after day after day after day. God says that it is what? Good. It's good. Why is it good? Why is it perfect? Have you ever been in a situation where, You've kind of, like, there's a moment in your life and you find yourself saying, man, it was perfect. How many of y'all have had a situation where you're just like, man, it was, this was perfect, all right? Maybe Movement Weekend will be that for you, right? This is perfect, all right? I can, I can tell you a moment in my life when I, it was the most perfect scenario of my life. And it was 2012, and my brother, he used to serve on the board of trustees for the University of Kentucky. I'm from Kentucky. We're big Kentucky fans. All right? All right? We're huge Kentucky fans. It was 2012. It was my brother's last year on the board. We've had all hits. We've had six years. Six years. And I'm like, man, come on. Kentucky has to make it to the Final Four because if we make it to the Final Four, my brother is a trustee. I'm going to ride his coattails, and we're going we're to do this thing. Well, 2012, our brother's last year, guess what? University of Kentucky, Final Four, New Orleans. And we go. We go. We have the best tickets. You know why? Because my brother's a trustee. Where are we going to stay in New Orleans? I'll tell you where we're going to stay, in the team hotel. Man, are we going to have to fight traffic to get to the Superdome? Are we going to have to mess around with the rain? Are we going to have to mess around with the lines? No, because we get to ride the team bus. It's perfect. I'm not bragging. I'm just saying this is how it went down, okay? This is how it went down because bragging is a sin, all right? So, 
So, I mean, it was awesome. Not only this, not only this, our first game, we play the University of Louisville. For those of you who don't know, Louisville's in Kentucky, and we're rivals. But you know what? On one end of it, it was awesome because two Kentucky schools are in the Final Four, which is awesome. And on the other end, we played them the first game, and we beat them, all right? That was awesome. So we beat Louisville in the Final Four, and then we're playing in the championship game. I'm in great seats, guys. You know why? Because my brother's a trustee. I'm just riding his coattails. I mean, I'm just, I'm, I, I can see the bench. I can see spit flying from Cal's mouth. I can, I'm, guys, I'm in it. I'm in it. As a fan, I am experiencing it all. The second game, championship game, we play Kansas. Kansas is where basketball was invented, by the way. Basketball was invented in Kansas. It was invented there. We play Kansas. If you look at all-time wins, it is Kentucky, and then it is Kansas. All right? Two premier schools, basketball schools, in the Final Four, championship game. And you know what? We won. We won. That's right. And you know what I'm doing? One. We got one fan. Good, good job. Good job. So, listen, confetti's falling down. We're there. I'm there with my brother, my sister. I mean, it's a family affair. Kentucky Wildcats, national champions, and I'm, I'm right there. And I'm like, man, this is awesome. This is perfect. You know, it's, it's, it's almost like that moment was crafted for me. I mean, it was, it was beautiful. It was perfect. And that's what's happening here in Genesis. The reason it's good, the reason it's perfect is because everything that's going on there, it was made for God. And everything that's happening in the created order is happening right in line with everything that God is and everything that he says. There's, there's no friction. There's only harmony. That's perfection. So when God says, let there be light, light's not like, no, man, I ain't going out there. I don't want to do it. I don't, I don't, I want to be day two, not day one. When he's, when he's saying, sun, you will rule over the day and moon, you will be the light that moves. The moon's not mad that it's not the sun and the sun's not mad that it's not the moon. Everything is working perfectly in harmony. Okay. So that's what makes it good. That's what makes it perfect. There's no, there's no friction. There's nothing pushing against God. Everything is in accordance with his character. But then chapter 3 happens. Now, some of you, you've heard chapter 3 before, and I want, you to, I want you to dial back a little bit. Let it land on fresh ears for a second. Genesis 3 Chapters 1 through 7, you know, the serpent is in the garden. He speaks to the woman, Eve, and he puts for the first time the truth of God, the words of God are challenged. Never has happened in the history of the world so far, right? Because everything was good, everything was perfect, but now it's being challenged. And how is it being challenged? Did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden. Well, God actually did say that. He said that earlier to Adam. You should not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For of the day you eat of it, what will happen to you? You will. Listen, when you oppose God's word, when you, when you um, find yourself not living in accordance to God's word, when sin is there, it produces death. That, that should be enough for us to pause. That the fact that you go to funerals, and this is a hard thing because a lot of you, you're, you're young, I get it. We talk about death. Look, when I was your age, like, I felt like I was going to live forever. I'll be dead tomorrow. I'm, I'll be 50 next year. I'll be 50. So what I'm saying, guys, is that, look, you... When we hear death, 
We're just kind of like, yeah, 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 yeah. Natural part of life. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, people are not supposed to die. We were not made to die. We weren't made for that. And we're walking around, the earth is shaking, and we're just scrolling past another school shooting. We're scrolling past another, a, a, sh a shooting at a parade. The ground's shaking, and we're, we're acting like this is normal life. It is what it is. And it's not. Serpent says, you won't surely die. Well, they ate. They ate. They sinned against God. And let me give you a working definition of what sin is right here. Sin is failure. To live up to what God expects of us in act, thought, and being. All right? So we fail in our actions. Look, guys. Sometimes we have to be real. Like, we're, when it comes to God's standards, we're all failures. There's not one of us that's closer than the other. When it comes to living up to God's perfection, his righteous life, his righteous standard, his, his requirement, his, his requirement of perfection, we have all failed. We have all failed. We're not even close. So we fail in our actions. We fail in our actions, you know what, because we don't want to do what, what God wants us to do. We don't want to do it. God has set a boundary just like he did for Adam and Eve, and he said, hey, don't eat from the tree. The, the problem isn't that you're just like, okay, like the world's in such bad shape because someone bit a piece of fruit. It's not that. It's that we have completely rebelled against God. God has given us everything, and we have said, all right, appreciate you making everything. You may go on your way, God. You may go on your way. I will rule myself from here. Man, and God's not having it. God can't have it because he is righteous. He's perfect. So we fail in our actions against God. But we also fail in our thoughts. See, God's not looking at just what you're doing. He's looking at why you do it. That's why it doesn't do any good with God. We might play the part. We might act religious. We might act like we, we love people or love God. Or we might act a certain way. But God's looking at the real you. He's looking at your heart. He's looking at you in the, in the deepest parts of who you are. Because you, your heart is who you are. And this is, your, this is the definition of the heart. And this is so important. The heart is the core of your life. That is the real you. Your heart is the real you. And from it comes all thinking, feeling, and choosing. All, look, look, like everything you do, it comes from your heart. And this is what Jeremiah says about your heart. It says that your heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? The Lord searches the heart and he tests the mind to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his deeds. Like your heart is deceitful. Who can trust it? In a world of saying, fall in your heart, like you're, God is telling you, he is throwing us a bone. He is being very merciful to tell us this. Look, your most internal and feeling and convictional feelings that you, you feel are, it's so good, it's so right, but yet it's so against what God has said. He's letting you know that don't trust your heart. You can't. It will steer you away. And for someone to tell you to trust your heart, they are, they're leading you down a path further away from God. Sin, it separates. He cares about the why. Proverbs 16, to all of a person's way seems pure to them, but motives are weighed by the Lord. God is looking at your heart. But let me just show you how bad it really is. Right before God flooded the world, 
This was the last straw kind of for him when he looked out at humanity, when he looked at people. And this is what he, look what he, what he comes to here in Genesis 6-5. He says, the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth. Wickedness. And that every intention of the thoughts of his heart were only evil continually. For crying out loud. That is, a, th- this is what it, this is basically what this is saying. Like, you, there's not a shot of you doing anything right in God's eyes. Not a shot. We're incapable. Our very intentions, our very impulses, the very, the, the best thing inside of us is only evil. And it's continual. Why is it continual? It's because a part of that definition is that, of, that failure to live up to what God expects in our act, thought, and being is that sin is not just a behavior, it's our nature. It's our very nature. You sin because you're a sinner. I sin because I'm a sinner. It's it's our very nature. We that's what we do. We don't wait for a dog to bark before we call it a dog. We know that it's a dog and because it's a dog, you know what it's going to do? It's going to bark. We're sinners. We're sinners. And you know what we're going to do? We're going to sin. We're going to sin. And that sin is our nature. It's what, it's what separates us from God. In short, what ends up happening in our lives is that the very God who created everything, and he created us for himself, he created us to have a relationship with him. We have basically said, we don't love, I don't love you, God. But I love you. I'm committed to you. Look what I've created all this for you. I'm sharing who I am with you. I don't want your love. I don't want your relationship. I don't want you. I just want your stuff. I don't want you. There's enmity. We're crazy people. We're the creation fighting the creator. That's what sin does. That we're going to fight against God and think we're going to win. We're going to try to live life apart from God and think that we're going to have life from the life giver. Everybody encouraged? (laughs) Guys, it's a lot of bad news. It's a lot of bad news. But here's the deal. Like any good doctor, I'm not going to... I'm not, I don't want to stand here and say to you and, let you, and, and act like, you know, tell you that you have strep when you have stage four cancer. Man, we're, God, we're dead. We're hopeless apart from God. But look what God does despite who we are. Despite who we are. Even though we're not righteous, Romans 3, 10 through 12, not even one of us, we don't understand anything, we don't seek God, we've all turned away from him. Look at verse 12, it says, we have become worthless. Look, I want you to think about the words that the Bible is using to describe who we are. Sick, enemies, dead, worthless. That's a, God, those, those those are the words that, that wound, right? But we need, we need to hear it so that we can have the right posture for who, to turn to God and who he is. Man, so we, the Bible says that because of who we are, the wrath of God is rightfully being, is rightfully awaiting us. That God, in his holiness and his perfection, he will and he has to judge sinners. 
Man, you've heard people say, man, only God can judge me. And I'm like, man, that should scare you a little bit. Because he will. He will. We have all sinned, Romans 3.28, we have all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Now, when we hear that verse a lot of times, we, we use kind of a, 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 a target illustration where there's a target over here and we, we are incapable of hitting a bullseye with it. That, you know, maybe there's something wrong with our bow and arrow. Maybe we don't have enough strength to pull it back. Nonetheless, it's not that the, the arrow is just hitting somewhere else on the target and not just hitting center. It's the arrow's not making it to the target. But more than that, remember our sin is not just our, that we're incapable. We're unable to even, we're unable to hit the mark. We don't want to hit the mark. We don't care about the mark. We have completely made our own standard, and we hit that target 100% of the time every single day. And we don't want God's standard. We want self. We want to rule ourselves. We want to worship ourselves. We exchange God for ourselves. We are selfish people. We are self-centered people. We are self-focused people. We are just enthralled with some us. So it's, yeah, we're falling short. But look, we don't even care. We don't even care. So which means puts us in a state where we, we deserve death. The Bible is very clear that the wages of sin is death. And here's the deal. If, as we catalog all these things that sin does and it, the hopeless situation that it puts us in, when, when it says that we deserve death, that the, right, the rightful payment for all of our sin is that when we, when we cash out, it should mean death. It should mean eternal separation from God. It means that in order for us to pay for our sin, in order for us to for the penalty of our sin to be dealt with, that means that because we have offended a holy and eternal God, that the only way that we can pay for that sin, the only way that we can carry out that sentence for our guilt against God is that we carry that out for all of eternity. If that, is, if that doesn't tell us alone, just in of itself, how serious sin is, that the only way that a human being could ever pay for that is that they pay for it forever. Listen, I'm not, I'm not trying to give like hellfire and brimstone. I'm just, I'm trying to give an accurate picture of like where, of where our sin puts us. It puts us in a terrible, devastating situation. But here's the beauty of it. Can we, can we turn this to some hope now? Can I give you some good news? Let me give you some good news, guys. Let me give you some good news. Is that the offended one. The offended one God, the one that, that you, that, that in our sin we hate, in our sin we, we, don't, we don't care for, in our sin we have rebelled against, in our sin we are actually, he calls us enemies, that we are hostile to him, that even in the midst of that, he, he provides salvation for us. He says that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. We deserve death. He says, no, I'm going to give you a gift because you'll never hit the target. Yes, you are imperfect. No, you'll never, you'll never become like me. So what he does is that God, he becomes like us. And he says Jesus in, the, in, the, in flesh God in flesh to become like us, to live the life that we cannot live. He lives the perfect life. When everyone's saying nobody's perfect, Jesus says, I, I am. I'll be perfect for you. But there's still a payment for sin. And Jesus says, I will pay it. 
I will pay for your sin. I, the wrath that should fall on you, I will take. I will be crushed for your sake. You want to hear something crazy? God pays for his own standard. He's not only the problem because of sin, he, he's also the solution in that whole situation. God does it all for us. He does it all because we are incapable of doing it for ourselves. And if the band would make their way up here, guys, that is why there is a such thing as good news. You know why something is good? Because God's in the center of it. He's in the middle of it. And in the gospel, what he is doing is a good work is that he is calling people out of their sin. He is calling people out of darkness, and he's bringing them into light. He is, he, is, he is taking people who are dead in their sins, and he's making them alive in his son Jesus. And the way that he does that is, is, by, is through faith. By you doing what Adam and Eve refused to do. They did not trust what God said. They didn't want to follow what he said. But for you... You have an opportunity to take God at his word. And this is his word to you. He says that if you confess your sin and you confess him as Lord, if you say, God, I I don't want to rule myself. I want you to be the ruler of me. I am not Lord of myself. I want you to be Lord of me. If you confess your sin, if you confess Jesus as Lord, he will save you. He will rescue you from from the, the, the biggest thing that you need to be rescued from in your life. And that is your sin. And the only way that you can receive that rescue is by faith. Trusting in what he has said. Trusting in what he has done on the cross for you. And he has done it. So you don't have to, you don't have to try to figure it out on your own. You don't have to try to polish your life up and make it look good. You don't have to try to clean it up. You cleaning your life up doesn't change your nature. You can't change your nature. You can't change your heart, but God can. He tells us that if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Are you tired of your sin tonight? Are you tired of acting like you have it all together? It is by grace you have been saved, through faith. It's grace. You can have a new appreciation for grace. You can see how amazing grace is when you see how amazing your sin is first. When you can see how astonishing your sin is, you can see, wow, God, what you have done to rescue me. What you have done to make me, to put me back in a right relationship with you. So I want to do something. If you're here tonight... I want you to just lean in for a second. If you're here tonight and you have never turned away from your sin and put your trust and faith in Christ, I want to encourage you, I want to challenge you to run to Christ. Lewis and Morgan and John, they're going to be down here up front. I'm going to pray for us. I'm going to pray for us. If you're in this room tonight 
and you're saying, Bruce, I want to give my life to Jesus. I'm tired of running. I'm tired of rebelling. I'm tired of being on the wrong end of the God who made me. I want him. I'm putting my faith in Jesus because he lived the life I could not live. He died a death that I would not want to die. And he showed that he could defeat sin. He had power over sin by raising from the dead. That is the gospel. If you want to trust in Christ tonight for the first time, for the first time, after I get done praying, I want you, I just want you to make your way up forward. Man, we want to, and we want to, we want to chat with you. We want to talk with you. And we want to help you know what it, what it looks like to walk with Jesus. Don't minimize your sin. Don't reduce it. Don't make it less because when you do that, you reduce and you minimize the work of Christ, what he has done on your behalf. Pray with me. Father, God, I pray for each in this room. God, we can't manufacture conviction. Father, I pray that by your spirit, Lord, you would, you would work in the hearts and you would, you would convict us of sin for the first time or again. And God, that our response would be repentance, that we would turn from that sin and we would put our hope and we put our trust in you. So God, if you're anyone here, Lord, who is, God, you've lifted the scales off their eyes. They can see their sin. They're feeling the weight of their sin and they're ready to, to trust in you, God. I pray, Lord, that you would give them the courage, the strength to take that step. God, I pray, I pray for that in Jesus' name. Amen. I want you to come as we, as we sing. Yep. As we sing. Yep.
that saved you for the first time is the same grace that sustains you and it keeps you. It sustains and it keeps you all the days of your life until Christ comes back and he takes us home and that we don't have to wrestle with this thing called sin anymore. And look, if, if you're here and you need to make a decision, my prayer and hope for you is that you would make a decision. If it's for the first time or it's for the hundredth time. Some of you, you've come in tonight and you're carrying junk. You're carrying junk. And there's people beside you that know that you're carrying this and you don't know, you don't know how to deal with it. We, we'd, love, we'd love to chat with you and help you to know how to walk through that, how to navigate that. Some of you, you you've never, you've, you're carrying stuff you've never talked to anybody about. It's been hidden, but you know that it doesn't line up with who God is and you know that it doesn't line up with what you want out of your life. Man, God wants to set you free from those things. That's what the gospel does. It sets you free. You don't have to be a slave to your sin anymore. You don't have to be ruled by that anymore. Jesus is saying, hey, let, I, I want to be Lord of your, I will lead you, I will be your shepherd, I will guide you. And he's gentle like that, he will meet you where you are. But don't, don't just remain in the very thing that we've just cataloged that is the thing that is keeping you from a relationship with the God who made you. Don't just sit and just with your hands in your pocket, hold on to your sin. Don't do it. Don't do it. We're gonna continue to sing. I'm not coming back up here. Sing, respond, respond. You got one, you got one weekend. You got a weekend here. Don't waste it. Don't waste a moment. Deal with your sin. Deal with it. And Christ will forgive you. He will forgive you. Let's continue to worship. <laughs>